0: God. Lord, we just worship you. We thank you that that, man, it's not like there's only one name. We only have one name. Yeah, we got one name. The name of Jesus, the greatest name that there ever was that we get to run to, who delivers us, who sets us free. Lord, we praise you here this morning. We join our faith. We join our agreement this morning and say, thank you for the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done for us. We praise you here this morning, Lord. Now, Father, we just stop as a congregation and we just pray. We pray for people this morning, those that we know, those that are sick, those that are hurting in their bodies. We just lift them up to you, Lord, right now. And just thank you for the name of Jesus that brings about healing in their bodies. Lord, we just lift them up, become intercessors for them right now, and declare the name of Jesus over their lives, healing into their bodies, setting them free from sickness and disease right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray over people this morning that are discouraged, people that are in fear, we just pray and ask that lord faith arise within their hearts right now that faith just begins to arise within their hearts right now and their eyes are open and they can behold you jesus they can behold you jesus and their darkness is dispelled Lord we pray for our country we pray this morning Lord God for the United States of America Lord that the good hand of God would be upon it that revival would break out in this land that people would turn their hearts to you the Lord they'd see the errors of their ways and they would turn to you O oh Lord God they would turn to you O oh Lord God Lord, raise up evangelists around this land to preach and proclaim the gospel powers, power, signs, and wonders. Lord, that we'd see them move in America like we've never seen before. Lord, we praise you for it. We thank you for it. We give you praise, O Lord God, that your good hand is upon our lives. Mighty name. Amen. And look at somebody around you this morning. Say, Man, I am so glad to be in church. Look at somebody else and say, Boy, you're looking good. Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning glad you're a part of the service. Those of you out watching this morning, I'm glad you're out there. Glad you've tuned in all across America, all across the world, people listening. I just thank you for it. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're hungry for God. I'm glad you'd get into the to the things of God. Amen? Amen. So praise God. Um, I'm doing the announcements and taking up the offering this morning. So uh, if you need an offering envelope, our ushers will get you one. If you're out there getting ready to give, whatever, put your hand on your your, or get your offerings together, put your hand on your checkbook, whatever you've got. I don't know what you put your hand on if you're giving, if you're giving uh, you know, online. I guess just put your finger on the button and get ready or something. I don't know how you do it, but bless God. Just get you a point of contact. And we're going to be taking up the offering in just a minute. A couple of things I want uh, to just tell you all is we're going to have Vacation Bible School. July 20th through the 22nd. Okay? We're gonna do every precaution that we can, but uh I feel so strongly about this, folks. We have got to we have got to take this generation of young people and instill in them the word of God. We cannot lose another generation of people, children, to uh the ways that are not right. And so I, I I, vacation Bible school some some moms may say oh praise God to get the kids out of the house of the week you know and, and it may be that but I'm telling you I'm believing that children's lives will be changed forevermore amen, amen? Yeah. so that will be between uh, 9 and eleven forty-five, ages 4 to 12 that's July the 20th through the 22nd if you have any questions talk to Christy in the back she's doing it and it's Christmas in July that just makes me happy because I'm thinking of anything that makes you think of cool. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. right. Right? So it's gonna be great. It's called Christmas in July is what the theme of it is, talking about Jesus and who he is and what's going on there. So, you know, praise God, it's gonna be good. The other thing I wanna to talk to you about uh, that I need some prayer on is that I talked to Sister Annie yesterday and I, I didn't even realize, I guess I'm not looking at the wrong news, but uh, they've had some major earthquakes down in the Mexico City area and one of our churches was destroyed down there. Uh, it didn't totally cave in, but it, 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 it did so much structural damage to it. They think they're going to have to totally tear it down and go back up with it. And uh, so she, I told her, I said, we want to help you all on that to help you get that going. But at this point, she's, she's getting, you know, estimates of what it's going to take to fix it and that kind of stuff like that. And so just be praying about that right now. There's a lot of, a, of the church members Homes were destroyed, too. And so we're trying to figure out what we can do It's it, you know to, to help and ease that and get the thing back going. But we're not going to let that church sit there and not be restored. So we're going to find that out. She's going to give me a, uh, an estimate, and then we can start working on that. But be praying for them. I, that was a, a really bad thing. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So uh, if you, you know, get your Bibles out. Just because it's offering, we're gonna get, we gonna do a little whoop whoop, you know. Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine verse eight. Something you need to cut out, you need to post it, paste it inside your eyelids, so you can always see it. You need to have this everywhere. Second Corinthians nine eight is a scripture you need to have in all places, in your house, all the time, everywhere. Never forgetting what it says because it's such a foundational, uh, amazing, important scripture. So 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says that God has made all grace abound towards you. Everybody say amen. Amen. It says he makes all grace abound towards you. Okay. If God's grace is abounding towards you, that means no matter what the world system is, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter how bleak the situation is. I mean, folks, listen to me. I just want to just bring some some normalcy to you if you just listen to me all of y'all out there just listen to me you know I I don't want to see anybody die I don't want to see anybody sick if I I've told y'all this uh, 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 every service every time if I had the magic pixie dust that I could just throw on everybody and they'd be healed I'd do it I don't want to see people suffering I don't want to see people sick but the reality is is that we live in a world where there is sickness hello and that last year Nobody said anything about it, but there was one hundred and sixty five thousand people died in the United States last year from the flu. But we didn't hear about that. All right. Those cases weren't mentioned. And now every time you turn to the news, it's all about death, 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 death. Death is happening around us all the time. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? Death is happening around us all the time. People dying of cancer, people, people out there that don't know Jesus. OK, the, 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 the major Thing going on here is that you've got to look at the scripture. You have to look at the word. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Amen. The world says we're going down, but I say we're going up. Hallelujah. Hello. The world says it's that, you know, it's the end of the world. It's the apocalypse. And I'm telling you, the word of God says that you're going to prosper and you're going to go forward because God's able to make all grace abound towards you. That you always have all sufficiency in all things. How are you going to get away from that scripture? How are you going to say, well, that's a mistranslation. That's just not quite right. Uh, You know, it's what it says. You're going to have all sufficiency in all things. Oh, and that you may have an abundance for every good work. Wow God says I want you to have more than you need to supply all of your needs so that you have an abundance everybody say abundance Abundance. how much is an abundance better more than you got right abundance is a bunch. Somebody said to me the other day. They said, "Man, they had tomato bushes. Just tomatoes everywhere. Tomatoes have just run out their ears. You got tomatoes everywhere. God, man, they've cut tomatoes, put tomatoes up, put this, did that. Guys, got tomatoes everywhere, giving them away, just trying to get rid of tomatoes." That sounds to me like an abundance. You got more than you can use. You can't pickle them. You can't can them. You've got them up. You're pretty, you're, everything's full. The pantry's full. Everything's full. Fridge is full. Everything's full. And you're giving them away. That is an abundance. Well, that's what the scripture says. God wants to make all grace abound to you. That you have all sufficiency in all things and an abundance for every good work. Amen. And so I just praise, you know, God that for Living Waters Church, you you, you folks have got hold of this scripture. We've given and done rescued orphans in, in Guatemala for years. In Kenya, we got things going on. We're working in Mexico like that. Somebody's churches broke down. We're going to fix it. I mean, that's just the bottom line because we're, we, we we're people that have abundance, right? right? You say, well, I don't have abundance. What, compared to what? Listen to me. If you know Jesus and he's your Lord and Savior, man, you already got an abundance. That's right. All right? So anyway, praise God. Do not let the bad news get you down. Start looking at the good news. Yeah. Amen? Right. So put your hand over your offering. Let me pray over it. Father, I just thank you today. I praise you, Lord God, for abundance. You are the God of abundance. You are the God who supplies abundance. You are the God who makes things happen when you can't even imagine what's going on. And so, Lord, I praise you for it. I thank you for it, for blessing the hands that are giving. I thank you for blessing their offerings, blessing their business, and just doing a miraculous things for people in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. you get your Bibles out and uh, go to the book of Numbers chapter 13. Now last week I gave you Numbers 13 to be a part of your reading plan, the plan. And then this week's chapter is Numbers 14. But as I was going through this, I, I just felt the Spirit of God tell me to preach this. And so I'm preaching out of Numbers 13 and 14 today. So I want you to continue to read it, look at it all week. Get it down in your hearts. But I am just excited to preach this this morning. Numbers 13 and 14, what's going on in the world right now? I'm telling you, it may have been thousands of years ago that this actually took place, but it's happening today. It's happening in everybody's lives. The title of this message today is Victim Mentality. And so I want to start reading Numbers 13, 1. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men out to spout the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send out a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them out from the wilderness of Pran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them who were heads of the children of Israel. Now, let me set the stage here for just a second. OK, so so God did 10 major miracles to deliver Egypt deliver israel from the hand of egypt right we, we we've got everything we've got you know we've got natural things like frogs and lice and you know then you got darkness and you got hail fire falling and you got rivers turned into blood you got then you got animals dying. Then you got the firstborn dying, you know. Then you got the Red Sea parting. You got the angel going before them. You got the fire coming. You know, I mean, you got all kinds of just amazing, astounding miracles. Ten major miracles God did to deliver Israel from being in bondage in Egypt. But let me take you back a little farther. If you go back a little farther and you, you're reading, you see that there was this guy named Joseph right out of genesis 37 guy named joseph who whose brothers get mad at him hate him take him and throw him in a pit then they end up selling him and they tell the father that he's dead y'all with me remember the story joseph ends up in egypt in the worst of conditions lied about could have been a victim hello could have been whining all the time. He could have missed God by sitting around talking about my brothers did this to me. My brothers didn't love me. My brothers threw me in the pit. My brothers sold me. Potiphar's wife, that old hussy got me thrown in jail. Y'all with me? He could have been the most murmuring, griping, complaining sort that just... Saying, look what happened to me. This is not my fault. I had a dream. Could have got mad at God, said, God, you gave me a dream. I shouldn't have never told it to my father, never should have told it to my brothers. You gave me that dream, said, they're going to bow down before me. He could have just been this, just turned into an old prune, you know? Walking around mad, kicking the jailhouse doors, saying, I shouldn't be in jail. I must, you know, hello? Hello? But he didn't. He just kept flowing with the things of God. So he went out of the jail from Potiphar's house. He got into the prison. He's in prison. You know, then the story comes, the the two guys are thrown in prison, the cupbearer and the baker, and then they have a dream, and he interprets the dream, and the dream comes true, and then, you all know, goes on, cupbearer's back with Pharaoh, Pharaoh has a dream. Nobody can interpret it. Hey, there was this guy in the jail. All of a sudden, Joseph goes from being in prison to the palace. He's in charge. He in next seven years, seven years of good, then seven years of bad. And then all of a sudden, his brothers show up. Now, you got to understand something. Joseph got so blessed God took him through all the things he went through, all the torment, all the pain, all that. He got so blessed. He is literally second in command of all of the wealthiest land of the day. He's been given the, the, the best lands. He's been given the, all the place where the priests were. He's got the wealthiest. He is wealthy. He got wealth dripping off of him. All right. If he says off of their head, off is, the, is their head. He's in charge. And then his brothers come. Oh man. If he would have been full of victim mentality, Joseph right then would have turned to him and said, ha. He would have got up there and gloated and said, I t- yeah, remember the dream I had, boys. Grabbed him by the scuff. and said, Remember the dream I had. Shake my mic off here. Are y'all with me? He could have so easily been angry. Somebody's gonna pay me hide for what you did to me. But he didn't, he, I think he toyed with them a little, right? Had a little fun with it, but then he ends up weeping before them saying, I'm Joseph. I'm here. I see what God's plan was. I see the gift of God in my life that I've went through what I went through to be here at this time in this place to deliver you to the place that now you can be rescued from the drought that's coming upon the land and not be destroyed. So Joseph saves his father, saves his family, saves his heritage, saved everything, right? Because he wasn't a victim. Do you hear what I'm saying? He did not get victim mentality. He wasn't angry and sore at his brothers for what they did to him. And God used him. He delivered them. All right. Now, 436 years later, you know, I mean, Joseph's died and then 400 years, the Egyptians said, hey, we got all these people over there. He, the, the Egyptians started working into the, to the, to the people of Israel because they're like, why do we want these people over? We need to make them slaves. And they kept working at it till finally, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us everything that happened. Hear me now. It doesn't tell them everything that happened, but somehow they went from being rulers of the land in charge of Pharaoh's flocks, and all the livestock of the land, because Pharaoh owned it all, to becoming slaves making bricks. And I can tell you how they did it. Man, I'm going I'm I'm to irritate some people, I'm sorry. They started off educating their children. The Egyptians did. Into slave mentality. They started, the parents started getting lazy and not teaching their children about the ways of God. And slowly over generation of generation, all of a sudden, everybody had slave mentality. That's what they did. Wow, sounds real familiar. Sounds real familiar with what's happened in our country. So now they've been delivered. Now they set free. Ten miracles have happened. God got them out of there. God delivered them. God brought them out. And they're about to go into the promised land. And they always use this as the land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, that was a, you know, that was a saying they had. And what it meant was, is, man, it is the most prosperous land in the world. It's flowing with milk and honey. They're about to go into it. And so God says to Moses, I mean, they're there. They're at the border. And God says, I want you to take the leadership, the leaders, take them, have them go into the land, spy it out. See what's in there. So that gets the leadership. Everybody say leadership. Wow, this is when bad leadership gets in charge. This is what happens. Go to verse 26. Now they departed, they came back and Moses and Aaron and all the congregation, all the children of Israel in the wilderness of, of Paran and Kadesh, they brought back the word to them and all the congregation showed them all the fruit of the land. Then they told them, said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. They got this big giant, you know, grapes, the size of soccer balls hanging on this pole, Right. Say, so look how big this thing is. Nevertheless, the people who dwell on the land are strong and the cities are fortified. They're very large. More well, we saw the, the descendants of Anak there. Those are the giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites that dwell in the, in the mountains. And Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people. Caleb quieted the people. Before Moses said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him. So that's the leaders. said, we're not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land in which they had spied out, saying the land to which we have gone is spies, the land of devours its inhabitants. What? He said the land, it devours their inhabitants and all the people who we saw are men of great stature. All the people we saw, the Jebusites weren't, the Amalekites uh, weren't, those the ite families weren't the giants. You see how they're getting it blown out of proportion? You see how they're just looking and whipping it up and saying it's worse than it is? Wow, is this like going on today, Folks. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and they, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we were in theirs. They said, Man, this land is great, it's beautiful, it's good, the promised land's good, but oh man, there's giants, there's giants everywhere. It, the land devours the people. Are they blowing it out of proportion? Where, except for Caleb and Joshua, if these people would have known their history, all the, all the Ites families, the family of ites, the Amalekites, ites, 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 all the ites, they were sons of Ishmael. The covenant was not with Ishmael. The covenant was with Isaac. Why did they not rise up and say, yeah, those are our distant cousins and God wasn't with them. He didn't promise them this and we're the ones that are God's promised people. Why didn't they do that? Why didn't they remember their history and say, no, no, God's hands on us? Oh, why didn't they remember just the recent 10 great, big, giant miracles that happened in their life? Why did they think that the Amalekites are stronger than the Egyptians? If God could deliver them from the Egyptians, why couldn't he deliver them from the Amalekites? Man, I'm preaching good. The reason why they couldn't was because they saw themselves, he said it, they saw themselves like grasshoppers. They saw that they had no power, no ability. They saw that they had nothing. And they said, who are we to go against this? They had this slave mentality in them that kept them back from going and being who they were called to be and going into the promised land. It was slave mentality. How did they get it? Because the Egyptians taught it to them through generations of their children until they believed it. Enslave mentality is always the problem is caused by someone else. It's always their fault. Oh, it could never be my fault. Slave mentality is not... Something that's just about racism or something like this. No, no, no. Slave mentality comes about in your own brain, in your own thinking. When you see yourself as everybody else has caused your problem, your life would be great if it wasn't for that other person. Wait a minute. You just made yourself a slave to them. Well, it wouldn't have because that wouldn't have happened in my life if this if they would not have done this. Well, let me tell you what. God called you to be an overcomer and a conqueror. God called you to take his word and go out there and defeat the enemy. God called you to go out there. And no matter what trial or tribulation you come through this day. Huh? That through his power, through his ability, through faith in him, you're going to overcome and you're going to conquer and you're going to go on. I've always said, I wish I'd have been born, born taller, but I'm not. My genes put me this size. Had I been born taller, I may have been in prison. I don't know. But I'm just saying, you know, I, 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 I just the, the things that, the, that's out of my control. So am I going to sit around and be a victim. Or am I going to be a man of God of faith, no matter what happens, no matter what goes on. And I'm going to go on and believe God to change my surroundings and my situations. Victim mentality keeps you a slave. Last Wednesday night, the last two Wednesday nights, Dr. Brown has preached for me, and uh, I was here because uh, I wanted to hear it too, and Dr. Brown preached on the four pillars of health, and I encourage you to go watch that. You can go back on our video archives, and you can watch it, but he, but he said something last Wednesday night that really hit me hard, and I, I just took it home, and I've just chewed on it all week like a cow chewing on its cud. And I may not quote it exactly, but this is what I got out of it. That if you're depressed, then you're dwelling in the past. And if you're anxious, you're dwelling in the future. But what God wants us to do is deal with the now, the present, because that's really all we can deal with. I cannot change my past and I cannot change my future. I can make some preparations for my future, right? I mean, I could... You know, whatever I'm doing, I could, you know, get some retirement fund going or something like that for my future. But, you know, I'm not going to do anything about aging. I can make myself healthier now and learn so that I age better, but I'm going to get older. I cannot stop my birthday from coming. And some of y'all lie about it, but you're older every year. Yeah, you can lie all you want to, but you're in a year older. All right. All I can deal with is my now. So if I'm going around a slave to depression, wishing that the past wouldn't have happened like it did, I've made myself a slave and I've got slave mentality to that. If I'm so anxious about what the future is, listen to me right now, I could give you all facts that y'all would just start weeping about what I think that is a possibility of our future being. I don't know it, though. I don't know. I'm not in charge of the future. God's in charge of the future. But I could tell you some things, paint you some pictures right now that y'all would leave so depressed and say, oh, Jesus, Lord Jesus, come. Come on, Lord Jesus. All right. But what I'm telling you is I can't deal with that. I, I, I can't deal with that. The future other than trying to stay healthy. Trying to handle my finances in such a way that I have some. And how do we even know that that's going to take place? Inflation could super escalate and take every bounce of finances you ever had. Okay, I really can't control that. Hello? I can only deal with the now, the present. And I have to stop and say, wait, wait, wait. wait." Whoa, you shut up and you shut up. God, what do you want me to do now? If you do that and make God the center of your life, you're no longer a slave to your mentality you become a servant of god i don't want god to look over the throne of heaven and say well i'd like to use robert right now but he's got his tail all twisted up over there worrying about that we can't even get hold of him we've been yelling at him for three days and he ain't even listening because he's so distracted over there mad about that jumping up and down talking about what the left's doing Just saying. <laughs> Hello, we ain't got time to mess around. All of you young people in here, I want to tell you right now, if you consider yourself young, some of you are lying to yourself, but go ahead. If you consider all the young people in here, I just tell you this, you're going to get older and things are going to change. And so live your life right now and enjoy it. Get God in the middle of it, have faith for it and go on. Quit listening to all the naysayers and all the 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 woe mongers. OK. Because you can only deal with it right now. Now, let me show you something. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. It's one of my favorite scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. The Apostle Paul speaking, and he says to the church at Corinth, he says, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Okay. <laughs> now, the Apostle Paul was not an exaggerator. All right? And if he felt like, he had the sentence of death in him. That meant whatever going on around him was pretty bad, all right? I mean, we're talking about a man who said, yeah, you know, they beat me with 39 stripes and several times and threw me in there in the lion's den and, you know, they, they stoned me and they did all that. You know." And so if he said he had the sentence of death on him, it was it's pretty bad, folks. I mean, it's pretty bad. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. But in God, he's like, I've gotten to the place I can't even trust. It's so the pressure is so great against me. I can't even really trust that Paul's going to make the right decision. But I'm trusting that God in me is going to make the right decision. But in God who raises the dead. And look at this, who delivered us. Past tense, who delivered us from so great a death. Who does deliver us this is the now right now and in whom he trusted he shall still deliver us so Paul said look God's delivering me in the past he's gonna deliver me in the future and he's gonna deliver me now the only way you can keep from having slave mentality is you have to have this understanding that God is the only one that can redeem your past take care of your future and deliver you today and if you stay God-centered then I'm going to tell you, whatever happens, happens, and you can go on. But if you start to be me-centered, it just takes you into slave mentality, and then you become a slave of your surroundings and your circumstances, and you begin to act and react based upon your circumstances, not upon what the Word of God says. Are you all with me? They're following me. Right now we have a world that is doing nothing but reacting. And they're reacting upon information that's not even right, but they just got them reacting. And they want it. They want it. There's people behind the scenes that want this to take place. They want to stir uh, the the people of America up. They want to cause problems. They want to get people doing things that are wrong. All right? That's their whole plot. And I'm going to tell you what, when it all shakes out, when you all see it down, it's all about the money and the love of money. It's all it's about. Power and money. All right? But anyway, so people that aren't God-centered. Oh, well, let's see. What did we start in the 60s? We started getting God out of America. And then we, you know, had Roe versus Wade. Then we started doing all this. We started taking prayer out of public schools. Oh, my gosh, get rid of the Ten Commandments. Don't let them be in the school. And we've kept working to take God out of it to God's not centered. It's not in God we trust. It's not what we teach people. All right. Only people that by their parents were taught that God is to be the center of their life continued on. Now, you know, praise God, we live out here in the country. We're blessed. Okay. But the challenge that's going to come to us is because the city is going to figure out that, you know, the nightlight of the city is not where they want to live anymore. And so they're going to come to the country and they're going to be out here with us. <clears throat> unless we put up some <laughs> walls, gates down on the, the, the town, the, the road coming in, we're going to be stuck with them. But the garbage that they've been fed can't influence us. And we have to stand strong in what we know is the truth that God is the center of our life. And if they don't want to mess with God, in the center of their life, well, then they're going to have to move on. I said it, and I mean it. All right? Because we know we're the people. I'm preaching to the choir this morning. We're preaching to the, I'm preaching to the people that are trying to get God in the center of their life and not get distracted and not get taken off and chasing squirrels around everywhere, but are standing right on the fact of the Word of God. Amen? That's why y'all are here this morning. That's why we're looking back at this story. That's why we're at to examine our own hearts to say, have we gotten slave mentality somewhere? Are we living in slave mentality? Have we not had God in the center? Have we been living in the past? Have we been trying to be anxious for the future, depressed from the past, and not living mindfully in the now, right now, having God in the center of it? Now, listen to me. None of us are immune from this. I don't, you never come to this point all of a sudden just, da, da, you have arrived. Hello? You don't. Just, you, you just you, I mean, you can test your faith by just going and reading the news, and then, you know, you're you're off. Right? I went and told my wife, morning. I said, I don't know what I was thinking. I actually went and read some news this morning. What was I thinking? Yeah. Now I've got to go outside and repent for all things I thought. Before I even get to praying over the church and the service and the, everything else, i got to go get my heart clean because I'm all mad. Okay? It just happens to all of us. All right? Let's go to... Numbers 14.1. This is the plan for this week, but let's start in 14.1. So let's read, follow the story on. So all the congregation lifted up their voice and they cried and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. <laughs> the whole congregation said to them, if, you had only, if we had only died in the land of Egypt. What? Or if we had, had died in this wilderness. Why? Look at this. Now they're mad at God. Why has the Lord brought us out of this land to fall by the sword? That our wives and our children should become victims. That's what New King James says, victims. King James says fall prey. And if you look up that word fall prey, it means robbery, spoil. In other words, victims. Look at what the... Is this what's happening today? People ain't got no sense. Dumb as a box of rocks. They lifted up their voice and cried all night long. We can't go in. Caleb's saying, Let's go in the line. Let's take it. God's with us. They cried all night. We can't do it. We should have just died in Egypt. It would have been better than us coming all the way out here. Oh, we'd have just died in the wilderness. Now we're going to go over there and become victims. You already were a victim, you're already living in slave mentality. Your victim mentality—you are already basically dead. You're just the walking dead. So they said to us, "Let us select a leader and return to Egypt." Now, what pool of leadership are they picking from? Because Moses had already sent out all the leaders to spy off the land. They all came back with the bad port. So, who are they gonna choose that's got any sense? And forgive me for saying this—if it offends you, you know, then. Prove me wrong. I say the leadership pool of what we're pulling out of in America is our problem. You can't get a better leader when you keep pulling out of the pool of the box of rocks. (laughs) I want to tell you all something. I'm just going to say it out loud. The reason why I love President Trump is because he irritates everybody on the left. (laughs) And anybody that can irritate those people that much, I love it. So I said, go for it, buddy. Do something else stupid. Write something else out there. As long as they're irritated, I'm happy. (laughs) That's not even sound wisdom, but I like it. (laughs) Y'all hear me? I mean, I'm just saying, that's not even sound wisdom, but I'm just saying, if it irritates them, go for it. So this is why God has to be in the center of life. This is why we have to be training children in the ways of the Lord. This is the reason why we have to be having vacation Bible schools and Sunday schools and teaching our children. And parents have to be educating their children in the ways of God, what's true and what's right, what's right and what's wrong. Why we have to be doing this, because if God's not the center of our life, we have no leadership pull to pull from. But then this is why people don't want to change, because they don't want to have to deal with their own mentality. Their mentalness and the way they think, they don't want to change it. They just want all their circumstances around them to change. But they don't know what they're they're thinking. They don't know what the truth is. Oh, I wish they'd have been with me in the 90s to see the look on people's faces when we went into the the Ukraine, when they just got free from communism and the wall fell and what it looked like in people who have been oppressed by communism and the look on their faces of hope to just be there that, their day was going to be better. I wish I could have seen that. i never forget. They took me into a department store, wanted to show me how the good that there was in the nation and how much surplus they had of everything. And we went into this department store in the middle of a, a big mall. Went in there, and they took me into the clothing store. And they said, look, look at all the clothes, clothes that we have. And I, I just stood there just amazed, and I said, uh but you only have blue pants in here and you only have white shirts. They're like, so? But I don't understand. I said, I know, you, you're, you have no idea what a plaid shirt would do for this country. <laughs> you have no idea what color looks like. You have nothing but blue pants and white shirts. And the only variety is the size that they come in. It's no changing it. No changing the cut. People are all like little robots punched out. And so it didn't take literally the first trip I went over there. I saw this within a month. I'd gone back and all of a sudden what a lot of the religious people were calling a evil was the black market had moved in from out other surrounding areas, Poland and Czechoslovakia and things like that. People are coming to the black market and I remember I said, I want to go see the, ball. oh, it's, it's terrible. It's the black market. It's, not, it's the black market. And I said, I want to go. Let's go. I want to go. It's in the soccer field over there. I want to go. And they're like, you, are, you, you know, that there's evil Western ideas there. I said, yeah, you guys have been brainwashed. Come on, let's go look. And I remember walking down, and I walked in, and they had blue jeans. And I picked them up, and I said, blue jeans. Put then We went out. There was a colored shirt. Color color. There's a leather jacket. I picked it up. Leather jacket. Look at here. Boots. (laughs) All don't have to wear the same shoes. Now, you may be calling this evil, but what I'm telling you is you have worked yourself into a place where everybody's just a little minion, and there's a variety. There's there's all kinds of great things out there. You've got to open up your mind and change. You cannot be living in slave mentality, victim mentality. So then look at verse 5. Numbers 14.5. So the people are saying this, Moses is listening to them. This is why of all the biblical people, Moses is to me a hero at the top of the list. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation, of the children of Israel. If Moses would not have interceded for the People, right then God would have killed every one of them right there I don't know how but he would have done it smoked them all right there because he already said he could build another nation out of Moses and if I would have been Moses I would have thrown down my hands and just said you people are the biggest bunch of stupid idiots I've ever seen in my life six million slave mentality no good people you don't even deserve to get in the promised land to eat some of these grapes and drink some of this milk and flowing honey but Moses didn't, he fell on his face, he interceded for him, saying, no, God, don't do that, don't do that. And what, the only chance I see for America changing right now, for all of us, is for Americans to fall on their face and begin to intercede for their nation, and to fall on their face and be, and tell God they're sorry that he, that they have not put him first in their lives, not had him at the center of their attention, and not, not had a God-centered life, that that's the only chance that a U.S stands to rise up out of the mess that we're in right now and to be able to not be just like the children of israel picking from more bad seed to go try to be leadership so we will or we won't that's the choice okay now look at numbers 14 6 and let's listen to what joshua and caleb had to say it's pretty bad when there's six million people and there's two not counting moses and aaron out of six million that had the right thinking. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all their congregation, the children of Israel. The land we pass through to spy out is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, so, and a land which is flowing with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. See, they saw what was going on. They're like, you don't understand something. And hear me, church. Hear me right now. It's not about rebelling against the Republicans or the Democrats or rebelling against this. It's about rebelling against God. That's what the point is. It's about rebelling against God, not having Him as the center of their life. He so Don't rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. Listen to me. That's what's happened to Christians in the past. We cowered to the opposition and feared the people, but we're going to, oh, we're going to be those strange Christians, you know, that people aren't going to like. And we cowered in America to that instead of sitting there and saying, no, this is what our country's founded upon. You shut up and sit down or go move somewhere else. Until now we're in the mess we're in because we bowed then. And until America repents of their sin and falls on their faces and intercedes to themselves, because this is the stupidity that we did, folks, I don't see things changing. Not only rebel against the Lord do not fear, and fear the people, for they are our bread, he says. So he says, why are you fearful of these people? They're our bread. We're going to eat them. We're going to consume them. So here's Joshua and Caleb sitting on the sidelines, ready to go into the promised land, just running in there like crazy people because they know God's with them. Right? said, so the Lord's with us. Don't fear them. So verse 11 talks about God saying he's going to reject the people. He's going to reject them. He's not going to walk with them. He's not going to go with them. He's going to reject them. Listen to me, folks. Do not reject God and his ability to work miracles in your midst. Don't do it. Don't be like those children of Israel. Do not reject God. Believe God right now that you are going to be a Joshua and a Caleb, that there's going to be a different spirit on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Stand up in the midst of the faith and say, Lord, I am not going to be oppressed. I'm not going to be run down. I'm not going to be put down. I'm going to be victorious. I'm going to walk in blessings of God. I'm going to walk in abundance because, God, you're with me. It's powerful when you get there. Okay. So... If you go read, because I'm, I'm, I'm going along here kind of fast, but you just have to read it because Numbers 14 is your reading schedule this week. And verse 13 through 25 is where Moses, what he intercedes and in. He intercedes to the Lord, and I think it's interesting because he's basically telling the Lord, Lord, uh, you don't really want to destroy the people because then you're going to look bad. I mean, it's kind of an unusual way to talk to the Lord. He's like... Lord, you're going to look bad, and then the Egyptians are going to say, yeah, see, God couldn't even deal with those people and get them where they needed to be, and so you're going to look bad, God, so don't do it because we want you to be exalted, and we don't want you to look bad. That was Moses' approach. It worked, all right, in a sense. Because God said, look down at verse 30. He tells what he's going to do. He said, Except for Caleb and the son of Jephunah, or the son of Jephunah, and and, uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, they're going to no by means enter the land which I swore that I will make you dwell in. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. As for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years, and bear the brunt of your infidelity. Until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness, according to the number of days in which you spied out the land, forty days. Each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely forty years, and you shall know that know my rejection. I, the Lord, have sworn this; I surely will do so to this evil generation who are gathered together against me in this wilderness. They shall be consumed and they shall die. You ever heard somebody say, "Wow, well, I just seem to be going around the mountain again." Hello. Keep coming back to the same old situation, same old problem, whatever. Well, what God did is he said, look, I'm going to have to raise up a generation that can believe me. Now, if you carry on, and you read the story and you get through all of that, you, you, you get over into the book of Kings. And, uh, you know, you see where the children of Israel did enter the promised land, but it was the other generation. And they came in and basically just took a map, laid it out, divided it up, chopped it up for the people who was going to get it and Joshua let them in there, and they just took the land. No, no big deal, 40 years. But it took 40 years for them to raise up another generation that would understand. I don't know that we have 40 years to raise up another generation of believers to get America on track. I don't know. But I know that the principle is God raises up the children that he can teach them the ways that they should go so that then when they go into it, they're doing the right thing and can enter the promised land. All right? Now, an interesting thing happened. Now, This is what I'm going to tell you all from, about this. It's kind of like Dr. Brown teaching on, on health. And, you know, you could hurt yourself by saying, okay, I'm, you know, but I'm, going to go, I'm going to start exercising, so I'm going to go out today and run five miles. And you haven't been doing anything you're going to hurt yourself. Hello? And depending on your age, you know, you're going to hurt yourself worse. and it's going to take you longer to recover to get over. You've got to start out and have some sense and do a steady, you know, increments and and continue to go on up. Well, the children of Israel, you find this is is the last verse, Numbers 14, 39. I want to show you this. It says, And Moses told these words to all the children of Israel and all the people mourned greatly. And they rose up early in the morning and went out to the top of the mountain, saying, Here we are. We will go up to the place in which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. What? They're just trying to get a leader to get them back to Egypt. And now, all of a sudden, they're just in a whim. They're running up to the top of the mountain and saying, Okay, Lord, here we are. We see. We're wrong. We sinned. Uh, What? And Moses says, Why do you you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Do not not go up, lest you be defeated by your enemies, for the Lord is not among you. So in other words, God says, look, this is is what's going to happen. Your children will get to go into the promised land. You're not going to get to. You're going to to wander 40 years in the wilderness. And so they said, well, we don't like that decision. We don't want to adhere to that. Okay, well, let's just go charge up there and take on the Amalekites, right? See, because people are not wanting to submit to God. What they're wanting to do is adjust it to their comfort level. And then when it really wasn't what they wanted to do, but it's better than dying in the wilderness, well, then let's go do it. See, folks, that's not the way to live your life. We have to live our life with purpose and direction. We have to live our life knowing what God is telling us to do and go forward. That's the key to success. Because God is the center of your life and you're following him. If they would have come back and Joshua and Caleb gave the report and the people would have said, okay, let's go. They would have been in the promised land, even though they still had slave mentality. But see, they couldn't be obedient, couldn't even follow the simple words of the law. We have people in America today that just can't follow the simple rules of law. Common decency and morality and people. You know why? Because after you, after you leave the law, hear me now. After you leave the morality of law, you step out of there, then it's dog eat dog. It's the biggest dog survives. That's the only other rule of law. After you leave a moral law hear what I'm saying? Of God, the Ten Commandments, that thing that we took off the wall for our kids not to see, that says, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. That, that law, that good moral law that was set up there that everybody should be believing in no matter what they think, or who God is. When we took that moral law out of there, when you get out of there, it's the biggest is going to survive because he's going to oppress the smaller. That's all there is. So now we're living under the rule of no law. And people are jumping up and down and screaming, we've got to to defund the police departments. We've got to get rid of the the law. We don't want the law pressing us and telling us what we could do. Why? Because they want to go do what they want to do. They're living the story. But then they get forced into having to obey. They get forced into, well, I don't want to wander in the wilderness and die in the wilderness. Okay, let's go up. And, God, and, and Moses stopped and said, what are you talking about? God's already issued the law. He's already said what's going to happen. You can't have success doing it now. It's too late. They said, well, we're going to go do it. And said, so look what happens. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword because you have turned away from the Lord. The Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up to the mountaintop. Nevertheless, neither the ark of the covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. Then the Amalekites, the Canaanites, and all who dwelt on the mountain came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Hormah. So it's like God says, "Look, I, I, is this is the way it's going to go down. Y'all aren't there." And they said, "Well, we don't want to do that. Let's go do it our way." And they got defeated. Folks, you're either going to be living in slave mentality or become a servant of the Lord. There's no other way around it. There's only two choices. Slave mentality, which is being depressed from your past, being oppressed or anxious for the future, and not living in the present in a relationship with God. So as I gave you these chapters, Numbers 13 and 14 to read, I, I, and, I, and as I started reading them off and looking at them, you know, and going over them myself, I just thought, oh my gosh, is this the day we're living in? Is this the day we're living in, folks? We've got to wake up. We've got to tell people. We've got to bring people into an understanding of what God is doing and what's going on right now. We've got to understand that there's a bunch of bad leadership that got out of, picked out of that box of rocks. That are trying to lead a nation with not God-centered. And until we have revival, until we see God come back into the center of things... You know, I, I, I don't know what the outcome's going to be, but I just know it's not going to be good. But I can tell y'all and everyone out there listening and watching this broadcast, if you're willing, and so many of you have, but if you're willing to make God the center of your life and you want to know what his word is and you want to know what his promise is, then as we live for him, I can't guarantee what your surroundings are going to be like, But I can tell you that even God provided in the wilderness when they wandered all the food, all they needed to eat, all they needed to drink, their clothes did not wear out. They still had prosperity even in the middle of wandering in the wilderness because they had sinned. And I'm telling you, I don't know exactly how all our surroundings are going to look, but I just know this. I'm not going down. I'm going up. I'm going to be victorious, and I'm going to be successful, and I'm going to be an overcomer. I'm going to lead my family. I'm going to guide my family. I'm going to continue to take people down the road towards glory land, and I don't know what, if it's going to be easy, comfortable, hard, difficult, you know, but I can just tell you this, the gospel will not be stopped, and God will not be stopped, and so if you want to make a choice today to be God-centered with, and I want to pray with you here in just a minute. I want to pray with everybody in here and everybody uh, that's watching on the broadcast. But listen to me, if you're out there and you're watching the broadcast today, or if you're in here and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, well then now's a real good time to do that. It's not too late because even in the story of the parable Jesus told about the workers hired, he hired some that worked all day long, and then the others he hired the last hour, but they all got paid the same. So listen to me, it's never too late to come into the kingdom of God. It's never too late to have your sins forgiven. But all you have to do, according to Romans chapter 10, verse 9, is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Now, that's not some kind of religious thing you're going to get into. That means that inside of your heart, you truly mean it. You are are sorry for your sins and the way you've been living your life, and you want to change. That's the kind of prayer that brings salvation in your life. I want to ask my, I have prayer team people, if y'all would come up, uh, here today, and just be here at the front to pray with people. But listen to me. I want to ask everybody just to stand up if you would. Wherever you are, you can cry out upon the name of Jesus, and the Bible said you'll be saved. And right here, I, just want, to, I want to pray for everybody in here and everybody over there because I'm not the judge of your hearts. I do not have the heart meter, I am only the preacher. But if you've been wondering what to do or wondering what's taking place. Listen, be secure right now that God will deliver you today. And then don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, he'll deliver you today. Hello? And then you know what? The next day will be now, and then God will deliver you in that day. But I do feel like that some of you, that I just said that about deliverance from the past, Deliverance today and deliverance for your future. Some of you have been depressed because of worrying about your past and you've been anxious worrying about the future. And I want to pray for you that the peace of God will come upon your hearts and the peace of God will be here with you because you can get focused back into the now, the present time, and let God deal with you now. And then let God deliver you from the past. Don't be a slave. Let him deliver you from the anxiousness of the future. Don't get into slave mentality, amen? So let me pray for you. Father, right now, we just come before you and we just declare, Lord, we do not want to be slaves. We do not want to be slaves in our minds, slaves to the the, the ways of the world. Lord, we want to be God-centered. We believe, Lord God, today that you can deliver us from our past. Lord, those that have been depressed because of mistakes they've made in the past, I pray today that they be delivered, oh God. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, that they be delivered supernaturally from that and to see, Lord, that there's a bright future for them. Lord, those that are anxious in what's coming into the future and the storms that looks like it's on the horizons, Lord, I just pray right now that, that that anxiousness goes, that they get centered on today and get their relationship right with you today so that you are the God who takes care of us in the future. So, Lord, peace comes over the hearts of the people. I pray right now for each and every person, Lord, that peace begins to come into their hearts and they begin to get centered and focused on you and walk with you and delivered from their slave mentality. So, Lord, bless us. Lord, let that generation rise up in our midst. Let that generation rise up in our midst, Lord, that are great leaders that can choose and lead this nation in the right direction. And Lord, I praise you for it. I thank you for it, Lord. your hand of blessing be upon each and every one. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. We're here up front to pray with you if you need it. God bless you, church. Glad you tuned in today.